Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The following podcast is a member of the Great Big Owl family. <laughs> Smushpod Royale. As chairman of the KGB, I am giving you a direct order. So what have we got? He's a Russian KGB agent. You've been chosen for a mission of the utmost importance. If you are successful, you will return to honors beyond your dreams. Two professionals. The KGB's best deep cover agent is coming west. Tell the first courier to proceed. Britain's best spy catcher senses danger. Come and see your pass. Yes, I can tell you what it is, all right. It's polonium. It's a detonator for a bomb. Bomb. An atomic bomb. You are pretty sure about this, I take it. That somewhere out there, there's a Soviet agent assembling an atomic bomb. Yes, while the generals conspire. How can anyone even contemplate breaking the fourth protocol? We're still missing one component. We got your message. While the bureaucrats scheme. I regard this support as alarmist, irresponsible, and supported by insufficient evidence. Evidence? Can't you read? What do you want, Preston? Round-the-clock surveillance, three teams of watchers, everything immediately. All right, Preston, you've got it. Two hard men on a collision course that will destroy the secret East-West Treaty they call the Fourth Protocol. Now, from Frederick Forsyth, master of the suspense thriller, best-selling author of The Day of the Jackal, comes Michael Caine. Barry! Pull out! Pull out, quickly! Pierce Brosnan. Frederick Forsyth's The Fourth Protocol. Hello and welcome to Smash Pod Royale, a podcast celebrating all the Bond films and Bond-related films by those who enjoy, hate or, you know, just aren't asked about them, hosted by me, John Rain. This week we'll be wrapping up warm and dipping a toe into the Cold War in order to find a bad Russian bastard who's building a bomb. Yes, it's the fourth protocol. And joining me to catch a train like a badass are actor Alistair Petrie and director Anthony Philipson. Hello! Hello. Hello, John. Hello, Alistair, and hello, Anthony. Is it? Is How it, are you doing, sir? Is he? Uh, is he Anthony? I think we should call him Anthony. Is Anthony? 
please. No, it's Anthony. Ray, no, it's Anthony. It's Anthony. There you go. One nil always, John. Ray. All right. Now, I must say, I'm very excited about this. I've wanted to do this for a long time. And um, when I suggested this to you, Alistair, you were banging for it. Well, I, I, yeah, I've worked with Anthony, and uh, uh, we, uh, he was um, hauling his ass into town because we were actually we live quite close to each other to do um, to do uh, an edit on a thing that he is working on, hmm. and uh, it seems to be making him quite tired as well, or it was, um, and uh, yeah, we sort of caught up on the train two or three times, and uh, and then it, it rapidly escalated from uh, me getting off the train and saying I've just done this fantastic podcast because obviously we did Goldfinger. Yep. and um, yes, it escalated rapidly. I texted you, you said yes, and, and Anthony said yes, <laughs> and, uh, and and here we are. It's uh, it's great to do this film. Oh, I'm so pleased because this is a film. When I was growing up, my mum used to watch all the spy films, and this is one I remember watching with her and being a little kid, and, and it was the first one I remember thinking. I understand what's happening, and it's really exciting and gripping. See, that's see, that's impressive because when I sat down and, and uh, rewatched it uh, about oh, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago, whenever it was, um, uh, my seventeen, one of my seventeen-year-old sons, he sat down and watched it, and he tragically left the room after about fifteen minutes. Oh no, this is I a know, familiar tale. It, it is. <laughs> it is a familiar tale. But I used to watch a lot of these kind of films with my mum, so. Yeah, this this one, and also it's got the Brosnan factor as well. So, oh, has it ever? Your mum sound very cool, I must say. Yeah, she was pretty cool. See, my 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 lovely mother, she is um, she's from the Czech Republic or the Czechoslovakia, as it used to be known. And um, mm. I used to go there quite often as a child. So, um, watching this was like a documentary. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. It's 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 just interesting because a lot of the imagery when I was like nine, ten years old. Be, we used to drive there, drive through through the Iron Curtain oh. over the border. My mother would, my mother would um, bribe a member of the um, border guards with something like a Beatles tape, or a, wow. occasionally, even if she needed to go the full hog, it would be a pair of jeans, and they would whisk you through, and off you would poodle off into over the Iron Curtain, and it was. Um, an incredible experience as a nine-year-old. So watching some of this was reminded me of those glorious childhood days. Jesus. Why yeah, were you travelling back and forth? Yeah, we used to go and spend my summers there. So I had relatives out there. And um, the, the bizarre thing about going to what was Czechoslovakia then was how you stood out. We, everywhere you went, you stood out. Your clothes, the car we were driving, our haircuts. So we would just be stared at. It was like being famous for six weeks. Yeah. Um, yeah it was very strange. You must have been like an alien. Exactly like an alien. Like if E.T. Very... landed and had a swatch. Yes. <laughs> or an opal, opal manta. Yes. Yeah, because was... yeah, the closest I got of... to that with my mum is that occasionally she would iron some curtains. <laughs> oh, oh go. it's going to be a long go. night. Oh, Oh, that's good. There we were. Anthony was about to come out as playing the third man or being in some <laughs> espionage, and, and we've got some curtain ironing. Sorry. All right. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, but I'm really pleased you watched this, and I watched this today because I wanted it to be fresh, and I just had a ball with it. It's so good. Yeah, I had a ball too. Uh, yeah, so it was great fun. Let's dig in, because it starts off, we, we get a caption about how Kim Philby 
He escaped to Moscow in 1963, mm. and in 1968, America, Britain, and Russia signed an agreement to halt the spread of nuclear arms. There were four secret protocols, and only one remains. Which the big is, one. Yeah, we're not going to blow up nuclear weapons in anyone's country. Actually, that's not the fourth protocol. Oh, isn't it? Well, it, the fourth protocol is fundamentally um, you are allowed to drop a bomb uh, you're allowed to fire a bomb out of a cannon or the gun equivalent yeah, sure, that launches sure. these things, but you're not allowed to build one in your attic. Oh. That's the fourth protocol. So there's a weird, it sort of completely reflects one of the lines of right at the end of the film, say, it's all, it's all, it, well, it's coming now, it's all just a game to you. Yeah. Um, it, 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 yeah. this, as ever, there are these weird rules. I didn't know you had a Michael Caine tucked away. That's good. That's <laughs> not impressive. As, it's, it's not what as are good the as first some... three protocols, Alistair? First three protocols is um, if if you if don't iron curtains. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the second protocol right. is um, uh, that don't well, eat I can't snow. I can't tell you that one because that's a secret one. Hmm. Um, and then the third one is is very very secret indeed. Yeah. Um, and then so the four, let's concentrate on the fourth protocol. Hmm. Yeah, and I think we should because we're going to watch it now. Well, we're not actually, but but we get we, we see this car heading to a sort of secret Russian hideout. And inside the car steps an old man. And we don't know who this old man is, but luckily for us, and I'm going to play a clip, luckily for us, he tells us everything we need to know. I'm Kim Philby, Major. That is Colonel Philby, KGB, retired. I think you'll find I have an appointment with General Gavoshin, the chairman of the KGB. So just in case that, that colonel didn't know who the general was and if he was the chairman of the KGB, he's mm. told him. It's good. But I, 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 I was sort of, you know, with some films you watch and uh, uh, it takes a while to get into them. This one, you're straight in. They've got that fantastic yes. kind of tracking shot. The helicopters and the cars are arriving mm. and all the rest of it. But what I, I just, what I couldn't get out of my head is always an actor watching a film, any film really. I just imagine the conversation between um, that actor playing Kim Philby mm. and his agent. And his agent phones up and says, hello, darling, it's me. Listen, very excited. I've got an offer, <laughs> got an offer for okay. you to play Kim Philby in a Cold War spy thriller. Yes. And this guy thinks... Jesus Christ, I am 84 years old. This is the big break. Uh, and one thing, darling, I just have to say, it's a week in Finland, um, lovely director, um, but you, you get a line and you get shot. And the highs and lows of this business, I think, played out right there. It's a shit business. That, that could have been one of those classic ones where they send over the script for the audition and just leave off the bit where you get shot. <laughs> And and you know because of his age he didn't do the stunt he didn't do the uh, you know he I actually think that might have been his last film his name is John something um, and I think it might have been his last job wow what a way to go maybe they actually killed him maybe he had a critical illness and, <laughs> and said, said, would you mind if mm, this is kind of like Dignitas but for a film <laughs> cinema Dignitas yeah, just it's like cinema it. Paradiso but just yeah. involves death. Uh, this is, of course, that direct. Tra- that tracking. Sorry, that, that that tracking shot is something to behold. It is cool, isn't it? Because this is this is you know that's 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 a you you can. That's pre gimbal. That's pre gimbal. That's, a, that's isn't a chopper, isn't it? That's a proper chopper. Yes. Proper with a, chopper with shot a, with an operator hanging off the side, and he gets that shot, and they say, "Did you get that, Dave?" It's like, "Yeah, got that." Oh, it's, it's very oh, good. They did a week in Finland. Um, I was uh, I was curious about this, and there's a, oh. a rather nice um, bit of footage on YouTube of actually uh, it's the first place they went to to shoot the film. So they wow. did their week in Finland. That was the first kind of stint that they did. 
Um, and there's some rather nice footage, if you choose to look at it, uh, of, uh, of them sitting on a plane and Pierce Brosnan sitting in economy reading a book on his way to shoot, uh, shoot his film. It's quite sweet, really. Because this is John McKenzie, a joint. It um, is a John McKenzie joint. He made The Long Good Friday. And I think there's a stipulation there where he says, right, there's a baddie, I want it to be Pierce Brosnan. Well, it's, it is interesting, isn't it? Oh. He, he, it was, he said it had an interesting career, John McKenzie, is that he, he, was a, he worked quite a lot with Ken Loach. Hmm. Um, he was, um, he was. I think um, Ken Loach is one of Ken Loach's ads, um, and that me- immediately sort of piqued my interest. Until um, I think he was quite a sort of a, a quiet man as well, um, John McKenzie. And I think he got, I think he got a bit fed up working with Ken Loach because he was quoted as saying Loach got a bit too pamphleteering. All right, which I thought was a rather good word. Yeah. Um, and all he wanted to do was um, just tell, tell ripping yarns. Hmm. Um, uh, um, and and I think so. I think he thought, oh, I can't be asked with anyone. I'm going to go and do my own thing. Hmm. Um, but he has been described as the forgotten man of Scottish film, which I think is a bit sad. Very sad. Yeah, but he's very Logan good. Friday, Logan Friday was just an amazing film, wasn't it? Yes. I rewatched that recently with the boys, and that was one they did stick around for. And oh. what a what a piece of film. Yeah. It yeah. Is. Bit more than a hot dog, you know what I mean? Bit more than a hot dog. Yeah, um, bit more than an hot dog. Oh, and also, I wanted to say before I forget, the music in this is Lalo Schifrin. It is, and it's bloody brilliant. It is. Shall I hum it for you? Yes, please. It's one note change. Brilliant. Yeah, but it's got this little percussive thing going on as well. It's very, very. It, 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 you know, it makes you think of the Cold War and spies and ah, oh, I love it's it. It's an incredible. I mean, but the crew that he put together, John Mackenzie, for this. Oh. You know, Phil. Uh, how do you pronounce his name, John? Mahu, Mahu, yeah, DOP, yeah. Who did what three Bond films? Yeah, um, Lalo Schifrin. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he got all the. Because I suppose he would have just said, fancy coming to do this film I'm making? And they all just said yes, because I think he's clearly, I mean, he's a brilliant director, John McKenzie. I mean, he made some kind of, he made Ruby, I think, the film about Jack Ruby. But he did, as as a lot of people did, more likely to actually go find work in the 80s was after Longer Friday. You know, he, he understandably to camp to America to get work because it was mm. probably hard to come across work. But you mentioned this yesterday on the chat. It's very interesting. This is Pierce Brosnan's first film after he had to walk away from Living Daylights. Well, you mentioned that that, that Taffin might have been... So I, I, timeline-wise, I don't know whether it was Taffin or this one, but the thing that really, really struck me was mm. that uh, he just... Every scene in this film, if you picked out all Brosnan's scenes, basically, mm. give or take, and drop them into a Bond film, or ask someone who's that, they'd all go, it's James Bond. Yes, he screams James Bond in this. He screams James Bond this... more so than any audition film that you know more than Lair Kate did for Daniel Craig more mm. than anything. It just went look at him. Except he drives a Ford Escort. Yeah, but this came yeah, out. He still yeah. makes it. still makes the Ford Escort look quite cool. I, mean, I wanted off. to go out and buy it. When they said it's an XR3, yeah. I thought it's as good as a DB7. Yeah, absolutely. I, you're absolutely right. And I think my first ever car I wanted was that car because Pierce Brosnan drove it. It might have had gadgets. It had those two big lights, you know, the big headlights mm-hmm. on the front of it. Fog lamps. That's the word. Uh, this came out two months after The Living Daylights. Oh, he must have been mm. raging. He must have been. Just so sad. Mm. And angry, Did he actually. do an advert? Did he do like a Bond spoof advert after that? I don't know. He might have done. I think he did a Diet Coke advert where he was like pretending to be James Bond. Oh, I mean, that's going to be the hard... That's, that's even worse, isn't it? Yeah, it is. 
Is he mowing the lawn? He's hanging on the side of a some kind of train or something. Oh, oh this is not a perfect world. Ah, hello. That's why Barry Coke is so refreshing. Poor kid. Still, still, eight years later, he was James Bond. So. I know, but he didn't know it at the time, did he? No. no. But uh, he just—it feels all this pent up. But yeah, every scene looks like it could be Bond. But we also get something of an anomaly in this. We get we get a, a ginger Russian. And there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> oh no, 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 no! The ginger Russian—you don't see very often, though. You don't see that, but also you get one weird beat. Um, mm. Because Pierce doesn't speak for a little while in no. this film. He's that sort of, you know, eyes cold, etc. Hmm. And it's a weird thing, because when he does, if he's speaking Russian, he speaks in an American accent. Hmm. This is what I was going to mention for later, but yeah. Okay, we'll get to that. We'll but get yeah. to that. I've got a clip for that, he says. playing with I think it's the only line, actually, he speaks, I think. Yeah, he, he doesn't speak in at Russian all. In Russian American. Yeah. He reads everything, doesn't he, when he's Russian, but when he's... When he's uh, British American, he speaks. Yes. Um, but basically, he has to go and see. His name is Major Valery Petrovsky, mm-hmm. and he meets General Gav- Gavorshin, played by Alan North, who's an American actor. Now, this is what you were saying. It feels like there's a conscious decision here to go. Well, let's twist, turn it on its head, because usually Russians in films, they're either someone doing a Russian accent or they're an English accent. But they've obviously consciously thought, wouldn't it be interesting if we got the Russians to have American accents or to be played by American actors. But there's a weird, that if you like, if you listen to Ned Beatty and you mm. listen from, uh, I mean, it's hard to watch Alan North, who actually is a very good dramatic actor. You just keep thinking of um, Leslie Nielsen's boss in Naked Gun. Yeah. Um, but he he can't, the, him and Ned Beatty can't quite help nudging towards a Russian accent. No. It feels like they would have gone, so what should we do? Should we do American? Let's do American. Stick stick with your own accent, Pierce. Well, why don't you join in? And then all the Americans are Russian, and then all the, all the Russians are American. Yeah, and, and that's just... fine. I mean, it's refreshing. Totally fine. Mm. But they couldn't quite help themselves. No, but he's been he's been given a mission, and basically the mission is to say, look, you're working black ops, as they'd call it. You're working under the counter, as it were, and you're you're getting your orders directly from me, so off you go. And uh, he's working for Major Pavlov, um, who... Lovely pudding. It's a good name, isn't it? Mm. He's got he's got a dog he needs to feed. <laughs> uh, he needs two of them. He I does. Think. He does. Uh, but then we cut to uh, MI five officer John Preston, played by Michael Caine. Yes. He's breaking into the uh, British government official by the name of George Berenson on New Year's Eve, and I really like this bit. Uh, he, Michael Caine always plays a good drunk. He does, he does, doesn't he? Mm. I was a little worried. I, th- I thought the security at the flats was a little bit lax. Mm. Um, you know, it's a different time. New Year's Eve, though. But I suppose he cra- and he calls, um, not, he goes, Nigel. Nigel! Yeah, he says, I've brought the enforcements, Nigel. And it's a bottle of Moet. Yes. With something in it. Oh, such opulence. <laughs> yeah, he spent a few quid. He did. He has to break into this flat, and I like the way he does it. Um, he um, he gets in. He turns the alarm off by setting fire to the wires and then snipping them. Was and that a bit overdone? It was a bit. Could he, bit of did, he, did he? Could he just snipped it? Could he just bit of jeopardy it? though? You can't oh. you can't beat a bit of jeopardy that early in the film because there's literally a ticking clock as well, isn't there, Anthony? Forty five so. seconds. Yeah, literally, you watch it. Oh. 
It's a great, it is, it's a terrific sequence. I love that whole sequence, the whole sort of setup. And him filling up that bag of water, you're like, well, has he got a goldfish? What's going on? Um, but that's, that, that's, that's the thing about Forsyth, isn't it? He loves the detail. He loves to show you how it really would be done. Oh, yeah, I should explain I mean, that this book's written by Bruce Forsyth before anyone. Bruce Forsyth. Yeah. <laughs> he also wrote just, the screenplay. Yeah. It was originally called it Good Game. Just... <laughs> Good Game. Play your cards. Higher, higher, lower, lower. If you watch After the End Tiles, he turns, he's him in a chair and he turns around and goes, didn't they do well? Yeah. And then he also <laughs> did the theme tune. Life is the name of the game. <laughs> uh, set a steak knife, set a steak knife. Cuddly toy, cuddly toy. Give us a 12, Valerie. <laughs> you also, you have to, yeah. Give us a 12, Valerie Petrovsky. Mm. And then he but gives that withering great, the, yeah. you get The bomb sequence is brilliant. Oh, I think the whole, the, the water bag is great. Mm. And then the waiting, it's such a, Waiting for the bongs at midnight when they all sing Old Land's Eye. And yeah, yeah. brilliant. Yeah. And what I love about it is that he, met, I, I wrote down at the time, because I hadn't seen this in a while. I was thinking, he's not really made an effort to make it look like, you know, he's in and out without being spotted. But that's part of his plan, guys. Part of the plan. And also, he's gone. He's gone completely rogue. Mm-hmm. He's very rogue. Yeah. Because, because there's, a, there's a bit of a backroom thing going on here, isn't there? Because basically, his boss is Michael Goff. Yes. Um, Sir Bernard something or other. Let's just say Sir Bernard. And uh, he's dying. So he's been put on leave. And the acting boss is played by Julian Glover. Mm. And Julian, Sorry? Or me. Or you, if it was a remake. <laughs> it would be you. Yeah. It did cross my mind, Alistair. Oh, my God. It's like looking in the mirror. I mean, we need, oh, to, bet. We need to talk about that, because if it was going to be you, who, who would be in the Ian Richardson part? Um, Mark Bonner. Oh, that's a good shout. It is a good shout, isn't yeah. it? I, that I, that oh, wasn't pre-planned. Mark, Mark Bonner. Bonner. Mark Bonner and I have played bastards, sort of governmental bastards opposite yeah. each other. Um, and uh, I think we could reunite for the um, for the sequel to this, the fifth protocol. Mm-hmm. With, with me, I believe, Alistair, in fact. Y- yes, you would definitely be yes. pointing the camera and telling us where yeah. to stand. And I'll, I'll visit a certain wave. But that, that scene, <laughs> you could be in it, don't worry. Oh, okay. wow. <laughs> You could <laughs> that scene when he blows up the uh, when he blows up and the, the safe. I don't want to give any yeah. spoilers away, but we are mm. going to, aren't we? But, mm-hmm. uh, when he extracts the suitcase and mm. finds the secrets, and you think mm. I can imagine the script writer sitting there thinking, "What would he say now? What would he say when he finds the secret documents?" Mm. Well, the script writer was drum Bingo. Frederick Forsyth. Yeah, he wrote the script as well as the yeah, thing because originally did. in the book, uh, the uh, the the. Um, uh, the the busting of the the break in basically wasn't done by um, Preston. It was done by a thief. He was a cat burglar. Um, why are they called cat? Oh, because they can move like a cat. Anyway, mm. that's a that's and a they problem. shit in the corner. <laughs> they do, <laughs> and it just and they ignore you. Yeah. Um, but it was a it was a cat burglar who went for the diamonds, found the diamonds, then found the documents, and went oh. And he had a had a sort of a I'm a patriot, so I'm going to hand these over to the government. So that was a, a sort of a Forsythian thing. Yeah. But it was because this whole thing happened because uh, Michael Caine and Frederick Forsyth had been mates for a while. And I think um, Michael Caine would have wanted to do a sort of a Forsythian thriller when there weren't any any films like this being made in the UK in the, in the kind of the no. sort of mid to late 80s. Well, and... fun... Sorry, I was going to say, the funny thing is Michael Caine does like three spy films in a row during this point, doesn't he? What are the other two? Well, he does The Jigsaw Man. Right. Then he did The Whistleblower. Oh, yeah. Then he did this. 
Yeah, I think he was trying to nail it. Yeah, he was trying to do his have a sort of Hammy Harry Palmer comeback type thing. Yeah, I think that. But it, you, you sort of, if you look at his sort of eighties career, it was a sort of a strange time. Very. It was um, Jaws Revenge, wasn't that yeah, one of his? Yeah. It was definitely not. Blame it on his, Rio. Which I love, yeah, by the way. Really? Don't, yes, I do. But again, oh. it's it's uh, yeah. But it's like any film that you see. The time you see it is the time a film speaks to you for the first. If that makes sense, when you're younger. But he pulls it out of the bag with Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. I mean, that's oh yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. That's He's, just top draw now. Yeah, amazing. He was second choice, you know. Uh, they wanted I Michael Palin. Yeah. And Michael Palin said no. He did. Because he was going around the world. Uh, yes, he was. That's right. So he couldn't do it. Yeah. <laughs> My name's Jason Fleming. The More Than My Past podcast will see me talking to a wide range of inspiring people. People who have confronted and overcome addiction or imprisonment or both and turned their lives around. I did mad things that was hurting myself and hurting other people. Everybody grows up in a house called normal. Heroin addiction and chaos was my normal. Some people don't understand the word moderation and uh, I was definitely one of those people. The More Than My Past podcast. 
she's right up there in terms of casting directors over decades. I mean, she's cast this so beautifully. Yeah. She's also got really classy actors. So people like Michael Goff, she said, listen, it's a day. Mm. You've got to sit on a bench. Mm. And they all come running because of the quality of the people that are making this film. But anyway, so uh, Preston goes to his bosses, and this, as we said, his boss, Julian Glover, says to him, look, you didn't ask me about this. And he said, yeah, because you said no. Mm. And uh, his superiors aren't particularly happy about his methods, but they agree that this guy is passing on secrets and we should nail him. Mm. So he asks for a 24-man surveillance, and he gets it. Bloody does. And Julian Glover isn't happy. And then he says, I must remind you, I'm Director General. Acting. Oh, well, there's also a good line from <laughs> Michael Caine here because he mentions that uh, Anton Rogers is in Yorkshire with his family, but he's definitely going to come home early, and I've got a clip here. But do you go along with that, Preston? He has a girlfriend. I'm sorry, eh? What's that got to do with it? Quiet. I wouldn't be surprised if he found an excuse to leave the wife in Yorkshire, come back early and start the new year with a bang. Hey. He can't help himself, can he? No. <laughs> that big shit-eating grin he does afterwards. It's pure <laughs> Michael Caine. It's so good. And they do this brilliant close-up on him. It's, it's. I mean, mm. one thing you do, I mean, any film that's involving Michael Caine, and I think this is the first scene that they get really close on his face. Yes. He's slightly heavily made up, and I completely forgive that. And uh, his, his um, eyebrows are looking particularly tweaked. But you shove that close-up camera on Michael Caine, and you just go, look at that. That's a film star right there. Also, isn't it the only scene where he's not running, wearing a roll neck? Yes, oh. it is. Is actually oh. and uh, something Anthony and I briefly touched on via text message yesterday, which is a rather yeah, yeah. ski jacket. There is something about the entire design around the around the wardrobe, whether it does look a little like it's the classic old school eighties TV and film world of you know we need to be in the pub by twelve thirty, so can we just rush through this wardrobe design as quickly yeah. as you can, please? <laughs> roll, roll neck in every scene, wonderful, <laughs> great. Just have a roll neck on the bus. Hmm. Have one there. That ski jacket will do. Now let's go to the pub. Well, it's also possible that it could be, oh, Michael's got another love bite. Oh, what are we going to do? Shakira, just, oh, I don't know. Or attacked by a vampire. Well, same thing. Yeah, Jaws 3D. Exactly. What? And this is where we cut back to Brosnan, who's been giving his orders. He's putting his bags in the car with the ginger Russian. Yeah. And the ginger Russian's like, I've got further orders. You've been given further orders. And the orders are obviously to tell him to kill the ginger guy. Yeah, and it says specifically, make sure you smash his head. Do it when he's in the back boot of the car. Oh, yeah. Oh. And also, but why is there, what confuses me, is uh, if mm. the ginger ginger mustachioed guy saying your final orders, which never bodes well, mm. and then he kills him, and then he drags him to an already built watery grave. Mm. Exactly. I was wondering about that too. I was thinking, okay, fair enough. Now let's see them throw the body in. They don't even get close. No. I think the budget wouldn't stretch to that. Health and safety. Yeah. But it's interesting, even when you go back earlier, I was I was enjoying the helicopter that was sort of spinning with its rotors on the on the helipad for mm. no apparent reason. Um, I think they could probably only afford to have it turning over for ten minutes. That makes yeah. sense. They're expensive. You only have, yeah. They're expensive. No no way can we throw an actor in the hole, I'm sorry. Sorry, Pierce, you can mm. get ten meters away. It worked. For, it worked for me. I didn't need to see him going in the hole. It was already there. That's probably why they did it. They probably thought we can't throw him in. We'll just show the hole. Show, don't tell. You know. 
It would have been an it would have been an expensive shot. It would have been a day at the tank in Pinewood, oh. and they would have shot Showed it and probably hole, cut like it that. anyway. You would have cut that anyway, wouldn't you, Philipson? No, I would have gone all in for the hole. You know me. Oh, <laughs> the other thing that they do do this classy podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but the one thing they do do, you know you're in Russia because everyone gets their full name. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we'd be going, ah, oh, so John Rainovich <laughs> and Anthony Philipsonovov. Everyone has to say your full name, preferably middle name as well. You so actually you know have you're got, in Russia. you're the only one who's got a name that would convert well to Russian, you know, Alistair Petrovich. Actually, Pe- Petrovich. Yeah. Alistair. Petridish. Petridish. Alistair Petridish. Then I know I'm going to be. Yeah, and I'm ginger, so I know I'm going to get slammed in the boot of a car deaded in the yeah. first reel. But there's a good pair of ex- um, Sorry, go on. I'm just, I'm just, I was scratching my head a little bit as to hmm. why, why, why was he killed? Is it just part of the trail of destruction that was he has? His- basically, as we find out later on, he has to kill everybody. Setting off the bomb, he's thinking, I, I set off the bomb, then I escape. He's probably been given a, a deal, but obviously he doesn't know he's been double crossed as well, as we find out later. So it's a complete. Nobody knows what's happened. I did think that he was going to get his comeuppance when uh, when he was being briefed about the secret mission and he was stood in the back. No one could know about this apart from you, the yeah. ginger fellow there yeah. in the back there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Did he start uh, going? So, he, yeah. so he scribbled it on a piece of paper. He's like, oh, shit, okay. Um, oh. Right, he's not supposed to be there. So um, could you mind just awfully just killing him mm-hmm. before you leave? Thank yeah. you very much. But I just lo- don't want to be in the Russian army at this time because no, because when 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 Alan North from Naked Gun says uh, if you if you do achieve your goal, um, you will come back to Russia with all manner of rewards and and diamonds and seventy virgins. You just go, mm, I'm not sure that that's going to happen because this is Russia in film in the mm. 80s, and mm. it means that it's just really depressing and miserable. And oh yeah, well it's going back to Ken Loach, isn't it? It's going. That's that's exactly it. Yeah, it'll all be on the. It'll be. You won't. You'll be on the dole. You know, what I really appreciate here. There's a lovely bit of writing because we need to explain a lot about what exactly Michael Caine's doing and who Berenson is and everything. And I really like that Ian Richardson goes to visit Michael Goff on this bench under the pretense of you know just seeing how you are, but they basically tell you what's happening here. And I really really like that from a writing point of view. It's also performed so beautifully. Yeah. Yeah. Ian, Richardson, Ian Richardson is peerless and in fact what there's we'll get to this actually I'll say that because there's a scene yes. that actually Kane doesn't speak in and you mm. see Anton Rogers and Ian Richardson go head to head and all Kane does is stand at the back out of focus and it is one of the best scenes in the film but we'll get to it don't worry I've written a note here saying please can we have a moment to talk about Ian Richardson for that good. scene I mean good um, so yeah so he, he basically says to him look uh, Berenson's a traitor uh, and he explains what Michael Caine's doing. And then we see Anton Rogers playing Berison, leaving his wife in Yorkshire, just as Caine predicted, and getting on his car phone, guys. The best car phone. Oh, yeah. wasn't that just incredible, yeah. that car phone? Mm. I mean, actually, pretty modern. Does he, mm. does, he, does he hold it to his ear or is it speakerphone? It's held to no, his it ear. He holds it to his ear. He does hold it to, hold it to his, his ear. ear. Yeah. Old school, that one. And the noise it makes as well. Yep. What was um, out of uh, this is an important question, and it's mm. only just occurred to me. What roughly do we think per minute that would cost? Oh, fortune. A <laughs> lot. Oh. Taxpayer probably paying for it. Oh, yeah. This would be his, his duck pond house and the phone. We're all paying for that. <laughs> Claimable. I think. <laughs> also, I think if... putting his mistress up in a flat, probably paying for that as well. 
Is he putting her up in a flat? Well, I assume so. He's putting she something sounded... up her in a flat. I know, but she... Oh, <laughs> now, see, I brought you down, John. <laughs> there we go. Oh, there we are. 20, 20, what's that? 20, hang on, let me check. 29 minutes. minutes. We found 29, our okay, 29, good. All right, 29 <laughs> minutes. But she, but I, you see, I was, I worried for this extramarital relationship because she, when he was, she doesn't sound that bothered that he's no. coming back. No. She's like, oh, all right, George. Whatever. There's a lot of a phone ADR in this where it's like turned up so you can hear it, and I appreciate that. Quite, rather than just hearing exactly, quite often in films you'll be saying, but they're acting obviously, and the ADR is put on afterwards. But you can hear it, and I thought oh, I like that because you can hear the phone conversations. And I would say, okay, Anthony, this is a question for you as a director. Hmm. You will have directed plenty of people who have to do one-sided phone acting. Hmm. And we not have always the other person, have, it's all, I've got some wonderful first ADs I've worked with who jump at the chance. Um, she's like, you know, would you mind just read? Absolutely. I'm there. Francesco. Have you they worked with Francesco? Always, I haven't worked with Francesco. Uh, the no. great Francesco. I had to do, when I did Deep State with the lovely, the lovely Mark Strong, um, I spent a lot of time in season one on the phone. Um, and uh, I was genuinely concerned about how it was going to work because I'm, I'm, Am I back at the office? I'm on constantly either threatening people or I'm on the phone a lot. Um, a lot to Mark Strong, a lot to various other people, the CIA, all sorts of people. Hmm. And I did phone uh, Matthew Parker, our showrunner, and said, how is this going to work? Because this is a lot hmm. of uh, phone acting. And uh, Francesco was one of those brilliant first ADs who's been around for years and is a superb first AD. He read in on every single phone call. Oh, wow. That's interesting. I, I was going to yeah, ask he's about literally, that. But he also sits in the corner just out of sight so it clears all the eye lines and it was all quite sort of dark and these very quiet intense scenes some of them were me threatening some of them were me late at night having slight existential crisis with a drink in my hand and having to be quiet and having also quite quite an emotional dialogue scene actually they are always obviously it's a phone call it's a one-on-one scene but having quite sort of moving scenes with my CIA cohort and how we're struggling with the state of the world and it's me sort of doing the acting bit and Francesca bless his heart who isn't an actor but mm. delivering the other lines. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah, it's quite, it's, it's you have, and that tends to be what happens. Do you find, Alistair, that you often have to play a scene on the phone and you don't say goodbye when you when you hang up? No, you never, on, on film or telly, you, you never, never ever, say ever, goodbye. No. You never ever say goodbye. Who started that? Um, Americans, I'd say. Americans, no, always Americans. There was, a, there was an Armstrong and Miller sketch from years ago where it was a, uh, ter- a terrorist making demands. And he phones up the guy and he's like, this is what we want and everything. And the guy's like, okay. And he hangs up and the phone rings again. And he goes, hello. And he goes, Terrence goes, sorry, I just wanted to say you didn't say goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, oh, I'm really sorry. That's really rude. Sorry. And I always think of that when that happens in films. Never, ever say goodbye on film. No. Ever. No. I don't think writers is the time, one thing they can't write. Wasted it's a waste time. of time. Let's Wasted get on with time. the story. Yeah, we've got more. Bye, 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 bye. You hang up. No, you hang up. Exactly. Love you. Love you more. Uh, so Berenson gets home and he's tailed on the tube by Michael Caine's crack gang of tailors and we're trying to sort of not actual tailors we're trying to gather who's who's the most who's the people that are following him we've got all sorts of faces turns out it's all of them all of them every yeah, single one brilliant I love that and I love I love the um, I, I just I love those scenes in any <laughs> film <laughs> where too. someone's trying to lose someone yeah. and he drops the money in the buskers and yeah. then he walks away and as you said they all get in the van and there they are. Yeah, even the woman on the, even the woman coming down the escalator the other side who looks completely incongruous. She's one of them as well. Who, who basically stares him down with a big sign on her forehead saying, 
I'm one of them. Mm, I like that. You can imagine the conversations in the cinema, can't you? Yeah. Oh, it's not her. No, it's him. It's him. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's all of them. It's all of them. Definitely not the busker. Oh, shit. <laughs> but he gets off a high street Kensington and then goes for a pizza. Also, may I point out, um, because I used to live near there, and it is um, geographically and anatomically correct. No. That whole sequence is... So Palms, um, I think it used to be open quite late when pubs and clubs weren't open very late. I think Palms we could go if we had a little bit of extra cash from the students to go and drink some more. Um, So Palms exists where they're parked up, which is right by the library at Hyde Street, Kensington, just off Hyde Street, Kensington. So it's it's geographically correct. So when Mare comes out, which we'll get to, mm. and he gets in his car, he pulls out onto High Street, Kensington, it is all geographically bang on. There you go. That's the, only, that's the detail you get in this podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Alistair, Except when they end up in Trafalgar Square. Do, yeah. You should do a fourth protocol tour. You should. Do you know I could? <laughs> you could. We, we could make you a little hat. <laughs> Well, Ned Beatty hat. Ned Beatty hat. The Ned Beatty hat. Um, I could do it. We could do High Street Kensington, Finland. Yeah. Just make stuff up. (laughs) Just make stuff up. Ipswich. Ipswich. Or uh, Milton Keynes. Milton Keynes. Yeah. It wasn't. It wasn't. uh, It wasn't Ipswich. It was Essex, wasn't it? Doubling as Ipswich. Uh, On the A sixty six. Yeah. It was. It was. It was a motorway building. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, Okay. Great. Fourth protocol tour. Um, How much do we charge? Like, not very much. I'd say you should charge £4 each just to make it fun. And if you want to hear a bad Michael Caine impression, another £2 in the pot. Yeah, just have it go up incrementally. Okay. Yeah, £4 £4 a site. Yeah, and also we could do a little build-your-own-bomb feature at the end. Wonderful. (laughs) Um, Yeah, where would you hide components? Um... Just to to spice it up a little bit, use real plutonium. Yes, okay, good. Yeah, Yeah, I think we're on to (laughs) something. So um, we see Anton Rogers uh, drop off uh, something at a pizza. He doesn't. He doesn't eat. He leaves. He drinks. He drinks nearly a bottle of red wine, though. Yeah, that's good. That's good. He's under a lot of pressure, but he doesn't he know. He, he doesn't know yet. Um, and then he leaves. Um, and then we see someone pick up a pizza from the manager, and they follow him, and he goes into the South African embassy. But doesn't Michael Caine also deploy one of his team? Yeah, because with the immortal line, something like "follow the pizza." Yeah, follow that pizza. Follow the pizza. Imagine isn't the end of his working day be like "follow the fucking pizza." Absolutely bugger all. Went to a pair of students in Finchley. Shit it. But that's part of the job, Alistair. Well, I suppose you, you never. You, there's going to be dead ends, aren't there? All right. If you don't, if you don't like the, the boring bits of the job, then maybe you shouldn't be doing it. Wasn't that <laughs> okay. advert "Follow the Bear" around about the same time? Yeah, Hofmeister. Hofmeister. Yeah. Hofmeister. Yeah. Follow the bear. Oh. Hello. Who gets special treatment from the manager? Follow him. And then he goes to the certificate embassy, and it turns out that Anton Rogers is like a fanciful fool. Uh, he's a student union type, as they say. And uh, the next day, um, they find out what he's been doing, and they go to his flat. And this is uh, what you were talking about earlier, just an absolute masterclass. It's a masterclass in simple acting from, A, both of them, but also, um, I couldn't... In fact, also, what Kane does, it, Mm. it it is an exemplary example of what Michael Caine firmly believes and sticks by, which is about simplicity. And I, I, if you watch, while um, 
Anton Rogers is having his sort of dressing down and yeah. just does a brilliant vault fast where if you take him, this rather smug bastard driving down from Norfolk, ready coming back from his big for his big bang. Mm-hmm. And then him doing a sort of a breakdown and realizing what he's done. Mm. It is superbly done. But what Michael Kane does, he stands out slightly out of focus. And throughout the entire take on um, Anton Rogers, yeah. Michael Caine does nothing. All he does is stare mm. at Anton Rogers. He doesn't flick his eyes back to Ian Richardson. He doesn't move a muscle. And that is someone who absolutely knows what they're doing on film. Absolutely. And also Anton Rogers comes in with the position of, I'm in the right. I'm, I'm literally just helping out my South African friends who aren't allowed to be in NATO because they're a bit racist. Mm. I don't care. Mm. I believe in um, what the South Africans are doing. And then as soon as he finds out that the person he's been handing secrets to is not in fact South African, but a Russian agent, then he just falls through the se- uh, through the through the floor, and again, and it's feel beautiful it, acting. Yeah, it's beautiful acting. You do feel it, and you do you absolutely think, oh fuck, yeah. And also, I love his glasses. This is amazing, Alistair. Just to be able to to just be in that situation where you literally point the camera and just watch people do their thing, and mm. it's one of the privileges of what we do. But mm. seeing that, and you're right with Michael, although you do look at him sometimes and wonder what he's thinking, mm. it's almost like he could, he is that good in terms of his presence that he could just be wondering whether or not he made the wrong decision with the Rolnex or <laughs> perhaps, you know. Maybe, is it Fish Fingers tonight with Shakira? <laughs> yes. And my I'm not even sure. I'm not entirely sure they. I don't have to rewatch that scene, and I, it'd be a pleasure to do so. Mm. I'm not entirely sure they cut to him. But, uh, he's for, he's uh, in he's an Anton Rogers shot. So every time I cast to Rogers, McCain he is, in the but, he, but not they don't cut to him. Oh no, for, no. for, for, for no. a close up on we not let's let's shoot the money. And I think that is just um, mm. is glorious because it's just it's not about him. This is all about Ian Richardson's voice. I think oh. it's like a it's yeah. like a marshmallow steamroller on a velvet road. It's just the most incredibly luxurious, beautiful <laughs> voice. Nice and energy. Also, That's good. I'll take that. Thanks. And he also doesn't seem to. He just joins all his words together. Uh, they sort of flow. There's no silence. Yeah. He speaks it all there. When did he do House of Cards? 1990. Oh, uh, you see, if they casting that, they would have watched this. And mm. just, again, it's like casting Pierce as Bond. You'd look at yeah. that and go, Ian Richardson. Well, also Tinker Taylor as well. He's, yeah. He's, he's Bill. Tinker um, Taylor, yeah. He's Bill in that. And it's just, it's not the same sort of part, but this is very, as you say, it's very Urquhart in, in terms of, the way he talks and the way he moves. But there's no great facial movement. It's just simple, mm. simple, simple. Well, I've got a clip. Um, it's when Anton Rogers says, my God, what have I done? And Ian says this, and, and you could just bathe on this for days. It's brilliant. You've betrayed your country. You've passed untold numbers of secrets to Moscow and endangered the lives of British men and women. And I'd say you've weakened NATO. Perhaps irretrievably. Amazing. Amazing. Can you imagine someone saying that to you? Like in being in that situation and having someone like him say those words to you. I mean, that would be it, wouldn't it? And I, when I watched that scene, that's what really struck me yeah. um, with Anton was how you really felt that you could see his world just crumble yeah. in those few seconds, couldn't you? Well, it's also the choice he gives him because he says, he says to him, we've got some people who want to go at you with pliers and carving knives. Then he says, this, we've got some people who want to throw you to the press and, you know, basically say, fuck you. And then there's me. What I want you to do is I'm, I want you to resume your relationship 
because they don't know anything's happened. But I will feed you the content, and it's just so beautifully done. There, um, it's it's an, it's just it's one of the best scenes in the film mm-hmm. by by peerless, beautifully cast actors. Yeah, I mean Ian Richardson. As I say, a moment to talk about him. He was so good, and um, every role he has around this time is just oh, it's beautiful. It's perfect. Mm. Mm. He kind of leaves you wanting more, doesn't it? With mm. Anton, especially, you want to. It would. You wouldn't. You'd be forgiven for being able to just see a little bit more of him. Well, mm. people so you kind don't of see him again, do you? No, and also Anton Rogers himself as an actor. People kind of think of May to December or Fresh Fields or whatever. But when he's in stuff and he's doing different things, he's so good. So good. And um, that doesn't really get remembered because he did these two big sitcoms, I suppose. I think that's it. He's sort of remembered as a as a sort of a, a, a lovely sort of yeah, sitcom actor of the eighties really, yeah. rather than the weight that he can bring to which he does beautifully in this film. Yeah. I mean, just beautifully. Well it's like Anthony said when he's in Dirty Run Scoundrels, it's a completely different part, playing against type effectively as this mm. sort of sleazy French detective, and he's so good in that. Mm. And that's end of part one of this episode of Smirchpod. We'll be back later in the week with part two. So please stick around. But in the meantime, why not like, subscribe, review, enjoy, share, tell everybody you like. And, you know, why not even buy Thunderbook? Hey, why not? See you next time. If you're a fan of all things geeky, you're going to love Concessions, a brand new podcast by comedian Matt Hunton and myself, Beck Hill, where we interview your favourite cult heroes at Comic-Cons all across the world. We've got stars from Star Wars, Harry Potter, The Walking Dead and more. Make sure you tune in soon to Concessions. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. 
Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's stamps.com, code PROGRAM.